Hello, everybody, and welcome to Documentation Not Included, a tech industry podcast presented by DNI Stream, the live knowledge repository for software professionals. I actually got it out without laughing that time. I'm so proud of it. One myself. week you'll get it out without actually making a point of it as well. I'm not laughing. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll see though. We'll see though, right? It is Thursday, 7 p.m. British time, and we are live on twitch.tv slash DNI stream. I am Josie Howarth, and as always, I am joined by my co-host who, having had the discussion we had pre-show, I reiterate, I am exceptionally jealous of his beard, Chris Seabach. Hello, Josie, and hello to everybody in chat. As always, please do get involved with the show. We are live. We do answer questions. We do uh, get people involved where possible. Mm. Um, so tonight, tonight Josie and I, uh, we don't have a guest, but tonight Josie and I are going to discuss something that is particularly relevant in the UK at the moment for a lot of uh, a lot of contractors. Um, we've talked about this elephant that we've we've uh, we've referred to before as IR35, which is all this new legislation that's coming in in what we're on the end of February, so in just over a month, it's it's hitting the the private sector. Um, mm -hmm. But a lot of contractors are now realising. And it's not just for contractors, this is for anybody who runs their own business, um, that that they need to operate like a business. And they need to actually speak to their clients like clients and engage with their clients like clients. So we're here to kind of say, this is how we do it. And this is how we kind of should be engaging going forward. And we're also hoping to learn from each other because the reality is the only way you can operate as a business is if you're consistently learning and modifying and adapting your strategies. I also highly recommend if you happen to have one of those business bingo cards, if we happen to say something like putting our ducks all in a row or singing all from the same hymn sheet or something, and we happen to hit a bingo, please let us know because that would be hysterical. But before we begin, we're going to have, as always, a little icebreaker, just a chance to shake off the day and also a chance to get to know us a little bit better. And I'd also like to hear your comments as well. You can let us know with hashtag DNI stream on Twitter in the future, if you listen to this podcast in the future, or if you happen to be live, throw your answers into the chat because I'm curious. So our question for today is actually about space, Chris. Okay, don't know that much about space, but uh, willing to have a go. You, you know probably more than you think, okay? So, there is a special magical device that is scientifically oriented that will make it so that you can go to any planet and survive. But you really only get to visit for a short period of time. You'll have to come back. What planet would you go to and why? And here is the extra caveat. It does not need to be a planet from reality. If you desire, it could be a planet from sci-fi or a game or anything else. See, when you said that, now immediately my brain my brain went to, I want to visit a gas giant. If it's a scientific device that I can do anything, mm -hmm. what's the point mm -hmm. in going to another planet that looks similar? It might be a different color and have slightly different minerals, you know, uh, mineral composition to Earth. <laughs> and it's just going to be hills and mountains and big open plains, you know, uh, and probably dusty. But if a, a gas giant, I'm fascinated as to how they work. I mean, I don't know for certain how they work. I probably looked it up at some point in the past, but it's just fascinating to, to, to be, I mean, you'd, you know, it would be dead instantly if we, is it, is Jupiter a gas giant? Saturn? I can't, I can't remember, but one of them, one of them, you know, um, other than that, I would have said Tatooine, but we can go and visit Tatooine. 
just by going to Syria, not Syria. Oh, I know there's a there's a place where they um. And I, I, can, I can picture where it is on the map, but I just can't remember the name of it. It's just uh, near Egypt. and um, mm. Anyway, to the, some of the film sets are still there. But I'd just go there just because it's Star Wars. <laughs> well, Voltra says freedom from Mars. Um, and <laughs> says it'd be nice to see Jupiter from within. For me, it would honestly have to be Jupiter. It, it has to. I, there is something, uh, when I was younger, I had a chance to actually look through a telescope. One of my IT instructors way back in the day brought it in and we were watching Jupiter. And because of the speed at which everything goes, like you can literally see the moons around Jupiter moving across Jupiter because they are bloody fast. And I actually watched it. And it has stuck with me so strongly that even in games like Elite Dangerous, I did everything I could to make certain I could go and just look at Jupiter. It's Jupiter is my goddess. So I love that planet so much. Jupiter is a gas giant, so we've got similar a similar thing there. Tell you what, we can go together. We could have a day trip. It'll be wonderful. Yeah, why not? We could meet for the first time. We, yeah. On Jupiter. Yes, we could meet for the first time why on not? Jupiter. <laughs> why I, I I like this. Oh yes. <laughs> <laughs> right so yes um after our, our, our icebreaker i've already done the introduction to the show so we might as well just get straight into it um we've yeah. as i said we've we've discussed we've discussed how to kind of put contracts together and the legalities around around kind of getting work and being self-employed in the past but today i wanted to focus specifically on the thing that's probably the most important part about being self-employed and it's only something that i realized in recent years is that my clients are a lot more important to me than, than I thought they were. As, that sounds horrible. Now, let me explain why that is. So as a contractor, a lot of the time you you get uh, an agent, you know, rings you up, mm. tells you about a job. You go and interview for that job or you're going to have a meeting or a scoping meeting or whatever you want to call it with the client. And then they kind of recruit you like an, an employee, roughly. And the, the problems with that aside essentially you were there for a very set period of time and then you're kicked to the curb normally and it's very very in my experience at least it's very rare that you'll be asked back to do any more work for that client there's there's a constant flow of contractors there's there's loads of resources available and people will come and go and a lot of the time if a client does actually come back and ask you if you can come back and help them you're engaged in another contract. So you don't have the time to go back and help them for another three, six months. So they move on to the next one and then they forget about <laughs> you. And then, so more recently, I say in the last, at least the last five years, I say, I've been constantly re-engaging with my clients and trying to maintain longer term relationships with them. And it's become very apparent to me that, I say over the last five years, that that is key. That is the absolute most important part of my job now i know that's the most important part of your job as well you've mentioned it before of the century yeah and to give you a small example there's been a recent um change with one of my clients and they've decided to shut down part of what it is that i do uh retainerships for with them and in the process they didn't want to leave any of the clients that they had that i was helping with under the retainership that i had with them empty so they just said well 
why don't you just take over? Why don't we just change the contracts and, you know, make certain that you come on board and help support them so they can continue doing what they needed, but they just do it under your company and you don't do it through me anymore. And we looked at all of the stuff. And of course we went over all the legals, always do the legals, my friends. And if they wanted to, any one of those clients could have turned around and said, no, thank you so much for your time. We've enjoyed working with you. We're now going to look for a different company. Due to the type of relationship I made certain to build just in general as a person and just in general with the individual clients themselves, as soon as they found out that the company they're transitioning to is actually led by me, every single one of them went, sign me up, please. We've loved working with her. That alone is worth its weight in gold. Mix in with that, the more kind of, of a relationship that you build, that is, uh, it needs to be stressed. These need to be business relationships. These are not people you're taking out drinking on a Friday night and trying to get wasted. That does not work. In fact, that can actually hinder relationships horribly. But the type of relationship I build ends up getting to the point where they might be sitting with a group of people who are in their particular industry having a random chat and someone goes, man, I really need help with this one thing. And everyone goes, you need to contact Josie. And it's like, okay. And I get a whole lot of business that way. But for me, if I am not, and it seems cliche to say, if I'm not keeping my customers satisfied, and it's not that if I'm not keeping my relationship engaged, is the key here. Because for what I do, because some of the stuff that I do is hosting sites. So if someone comes along and just wants to host a site, what really more do I need to do? Their, their website is hosted on one of my platforms. Yay. But I make the conscious effort to engage every single client that I have beyond just the, hey, I'm hosting you now. And I think that's something that I feel even contractors should be able to do. Even if you are currently engaged in a job with a, a company for, say, a three-month contract, there is absolutely nothing stopping you from reaching out to your previous um, contract clients or anything else like that and saying, hey, I want to check in and say, you know, I, I was, you know, looking at the news. This made me think of you because we discussed that we both hated football and someone made a joke about it and you like it. Having that kind of very basic acquaintancy thing reminds them, one, that you exist, and two, reminds them that you guys were in good graces to begin with. And it also, there's also something to be said about, there's got to be an adage for this or, or a phrase for this, but over time, people forget, not necessarily that you did a good job, but they their memory of what you did changes and is influenced by other people as well. So say, for example, oh, yeah. as a contractor, I'll go in and write a software system or help with a particular software system and write a few modules of it or a few classes of it or whatever. People will, that will change over time. And what I actually left isn't going to stay the same, but I will get the blame for all of the problems with that piece of software from oh. now on. And, yes, you will. And my clients and the managers and the people who I engage with will look at that and and have a negative opinion of me all the time. But if you continue to engage with them and remind them that you exist and they remind them that you're there, then that's less likely to happen, I think. Mm -hmm. So I don't want to go into kind of, I don't want to talk about like our whinges about this too much. I want to focus on the the how to continue to engage with clients. So we've talked about keeping engaged keeping in contact with people and i mean mm -hmm. it's not just dropping an email sometimes it is Ooh. 
meeting up for a drink. I met up with a, a, con a new contractor, in fact, I've never met him, never even met him before, uh, just last week, just to have a chat with, with him. It was about something very specific, but it's networking, it's engagement, it's talking to people and, and the things that I oh. had conversations with him about will probably get me work in the future from somebody. That, that's I mean, we have this show, it's called How to Win Work and Influence Clients. And in a way, we've kind of just sort of brushed into the client side of things. Let's let's backtrack and mm -hmm. let's go with the whole, well, how do you find this? How do you actually win a client over to your side? And I'm going to tell you right now, no matter how hard you try, if you are not bringing to the table what they are looking for, you're not going to be hired for it Absolutely. or your company will not be brought on board. And there's nothing wrong with that. You don't ever want to find yourself in a situation where you're being asked to do something that doesn't fit what you are capable of doing because it will come back and bite you. Well, yeah, there's, there's an argument there for, I mean, this is, this is going back to the whole business to business mutuality of obligation thing. You, we can, we can say no to work. Yes. We can also investigate whether or not we can fit in. I've actually just yesterday been contacted by somebody I've never worked with before, but I've been engaged with via networking for quite some time. Just drop them an email every now and again saying, hi, I'm currently got some availability. You know, uh, is there anything, anything, any potential projects coming up? And then some personal stuff, you know, if, if you, you know them that well, you have a meeting with them. And then eventually they'll come back to you and say, we've actually got this piece of work to do potentially. And by virtue of keeping that relationship going, that keeps, again, you in mind and keeps and, and makes them come back to you. So having that. Well, I think there's something to be said for being careful there because, you know, now you and I, we work in really two different kinds of sectors and what we do. Um, you are a business that offers your services and it's very explicitly your servers. It's not your services plus whatever. In my situation, and my servers, my servers, my services, my company offers services that are fulfilled by multiple people. And that actually changes things because yes, while people want to deal directly with me, you know, I have an operations team uh, as an example and keeping certain platforms updates and running and checking up and making certain securities running and things like that. It used to fall squarely on my shoulders and it doesn't anymore. It falls onto a team now to handle those things. So I don't have to worry about it, but they are still coming to hire my company. So if I took somebody out for a drink and they're like, Hey, I still need this work done it's it's less about me and more about can my company actually perform that service for you and you know one of the the challenges if you are a sort of either solo or sole employee sole i will put my teeth back in at some point in time chris but i'm sure you know a personal well basically what what we refer to is as a personal services company and yes that's the colloquial term it's not a, an official legal term or anything like that but we're still a services company but mm -hmm. I do subcontract. I do occasionally. I mean, I I have an employee. Have you ever really subcracted? Sub have you subcracked someone? I have subcontracted work. I did some work for, uh, it's happened a few times. I, do, I did some work for a client in specifics um, uh, that needed branding uh, along with the software design that I was doing for them. They wanted to rebrand or create a brand for the product that they were wanting mm -hmm. to take to market. I have no skills whatsoever in that. But I engaged a freelance, um, someone I knew, a freelance graphic designer to do that work. And I managed the work, essentially. I um, 
I took the payment for the work and then paid the subcontractor. So that is subcontracting. But that is that is you subcrack. <laughs> I really want to say subcrack. It was, that is that is you subtracting a service that you have no knowledge of. Have you ever actually subtracted? Have you ever actually <laughs> brought somebody else in to do the coding work that you can do? No, that would that was that's actually referred to as substitution as uh, rather than subcontracting. See, that's I think the problem. I'm saying subcracking. Is so. Just subcontracting is what my clients do with me. They subcontract work to me. They say, I have a piece of software that needs to be developed. Mm -hmm. Chris, can you do it? Uh, the, uh, there may be different variations on how, how much I interact with their team, but that's basically what they do. I am a contractor. They subcontract their work to me um, if they have an uh, uh, upper client. And usually they do. Sometimes it's an internal business. Sometimes it's a third-party client. But substitution is when I would essentially take somebody else and replace myself with them. And I have never done that. And I have never had any call to do that because I have a good relationship with my clients and they want me normally. normally. But some clients See, that's, that's understand. That's finding it interesting because in, like, in your case, obviously they are bringing you in to do a thing. In my case, when I am brought in, my company is providing a service. And if I need something done, that I don't have the time to do because I have had to do this before in the past, I have brought in other developers to take a piece of workload off of me. And I have that same freelancer that, 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 that same freelancer that I got the graphics work from that did the branding. They did some HTML and CSS work that I could have done that I asked them to do. Right. Okay. So that's a decent <laughs> example of it. Yeah, and the only reason why I ask is because in my case, when I do things like that, they're still dealing directly with my company. It's just now I have that now I'm the one who has to be worried about IR35 <laughs> in relation to this individual contractor I'm bringing in to do a short project for me. Yay! Well, you don't because you're a small company, but that's beside the point. Let's no, not no, get no, into no, IR35. No, We've had our show on that. The elephant is now not in the room anymore. So let's talk about winning work when we don't have a relationship with the client. Because mm -hmm. that's, that's, we will both do that differently. I want you mm. to, to go, I want you to talk about your, the way that I you win. a lot of talking. I want you to okay. talk now. Okay. Um, <laughs> well, so let's, let's talk about how a contractor normally wins work. And I've said that usually there's an agency involved. Usually there's a job spec somewhere right. and it looks yeah. very much like a permanent job a lot of the time. Um, and we apply for the job and we get interviewed for the job. That's generally how contracting works. Not always. For example, the, the work that I'm doing right now and most of the work that I've done for the last two or three years is very much been, I've went in for a meeting, spoke to the relevant stakeholders, essentially convinced them that I could do the work. And the, the contacts come from many different places, which we'll get into uh, in a minute. Um, and then I've created an uh, agreement, arrangement, put a proposal together. Usually all of this work is chargeable as well because I charge a consultancy rate for that kind of work. And they are usually the ones that want detailed specs or, and all of this is years of my expertise going into, into these specifications mm -hmm. and projects. Um, so they pay for that. But when I normally get work, it's through this agent, through an agent, one one of one of a million in in England, um, and then when I get in front of the client, that's when things change. That's where things are going to have to change 
for every contractor in the UK if they want outside IR35 engagements. Because at the moment they go in and they interview like an employee. They don't ask questions around the project. They don't necessarily ask questions around the deliverables, the uh, the dates that need to be, um, that, that, that deliverables need to be delivered by. They don't ask um, around specifications and milestones, budgets. I can't hear that. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, that, that wasn't me. My husband happens to be on call That's tonight. Fine. So. Um, so they ask, they ask for, uh, generally you'll, a lot of contractors get interviewed for a role and that's the key problem here there's no scope involved the scope mm -hmm. is very much you are going to be doing a job for three months well and there's we'll no see. there's no deliverables involved well see where we're starting to hedge back into is the elephant territory so i'm going to pull you back to well, is that's, the agency territory that's what i'm trying because... to distinguish here between the two right and that's and that's where i'm going to hopefully end with with that distinction so now, how I get work, and I've asked, been asked this a number of times by uh, various contractors that I've either done professional consultancy with, or I've just spoke to them, you know, just uh, as a friend or as an acquaintance. Um, essentially, now when I when I get in front of a client, even if I've went through a provider CV, provider uh, a profile of the consultant that's going forward, or uh, I've got an interview, I've got in front of the client, that's my sales meeting. That's where I sell myself and my services. That's where I do my very, very high level requirement gathering. That's why I figure out what the client wants, what the project is and, and what they need delivering. And there's a distinction between letting the client run the interview and them just asking me questions and me responding to me being there as a mutual business acquaintance and asking them just as many questions and interviewing them just as much as they're interviewing me because they have to fit my criteria as well as me fitting their criteria if they don't yeah. match if those two criteria don't match then i hand them my business card and i say thank you very much if you need any you know of my services in the future then please do get in touch quite often that works quite often well, see, I, I get calls later on I think that's an interesting distinction. Um, and maybe this is something people, especially when discussing the elephant, need to keep in mind. Um, I never interview, ever, and when I go after clients. Every single thing that I do is directly to, I don't use agencies or anything else like that for my work. Now, I've jokingly said that pretty much all my work is word of mouth. That's not 100% true. Most of my work comes from word of mouth. However, I do have quite a few clients that I have found in other ways, and I'll get to that in a second. But the point I want to make is if you are going in and you are as a company going for an interview, there is a terminology problem you might want to think about there. But if you are going in for a sales meeting, that actually changes how you as an individual should see things because that might help remind you that there are some things you need to pay attention to, like this whole elephant IR35. But I just wanted to make that clarification because I think that's a really good point and I don't want it to be missed. Now, going back to how I win clients, um, I smile. No. <laughs> um, honestly, the way I find quite a bit of my clients is through discussions. Uh, as an example, uh, two of my clients are from Reddit. I was just happened to be scrolling through Reddit and someone made a comment about something. And I was like, well, have you done this? Have you checked this? And they're like, wait, what? 
can I DM you? I'm like, sure. So they come and they uh, chat with me. And then from there, the relationship grows. And then they, they understand that now we're in a client, you know, uh, relationship. And now we go from there. And how do we make this work? Um, and so for me, a lot of places where I, at least from my center, my industry, the things that I find is offering help. So if I happen to just hear someone make a mention of something, um, I will jump right in. I have, there's something to be said about um, uh, Andy when he was on during our show. He says, you, know, you have to have just a tiny little bit of narcissism if you're a streamer, because why else would you want anyone to watch you either talk or play a game or code or anything else like that? In, in my case, I like to think that I just have that little bit of an um, extroverted personality where I have zero fear when approaching people for the very first time. I have, it's, it's probably, it's probably not the best survival trait in the world. <laughs> I, have. I have, I have zero fear and I actually like to engage people. So if I happen to hear somebody on a bus discussing something in a topic that I happen to know about, I have no problems turning around and going, I'm really sorry. I just happened to overhear probably because you were yelling about this subject, but I just happened to overhear you make this comment. Have you considered this? And again, it's that whole offering of help. And from there, it's, it's, it's interesting. It, a lot of people, when I um, insert myself into those kinds of conversations, I've had a couple of people go, you know, thanks and all, but we're fine. But most of the time, the reception is incredibly receptive and very positive. And it leads to um, longer term acquaintances, which turn into people who I've added to, please, people have your own version of a CRM or customer relationship management platform. But they become part of a list that I check in and I email and I, you know, will perhaps follow them on their social media so that I can double check to see how they're doing and just drop in a little hello or, you know, send them a little thing that I have found that reminds me of them. But that is, you know, how it starts for me. It's that engagement, but that whole offering of free help, for lack of a better term, and knowing where to draw the line. That has taken me years to discover, knowing where to draw the line. Um, there is a, a client that I have who for years got away with just asking random questions here and there. And then I drew the line in the sand and now I have a contract. So, you know, it's, it's a matter of making certain that you know where that line is. But for me, the way I win work is literally by being available, being free, but being firm. And I am sorry, but even it makes a difference what industry you're in. The, hey, this will look great on your resume. Sweetheart, I run a company. Yeah. Well, I'm sorry, but no, I run a company. This is has this is not about me as an individual anymore. This is about my brand. And this is about the brand of the company. And it me giving a CV to myself means nothing. It's the portfolio of my company that matters now. So yeah, you, you can back off with that. You'll get work experience. Honey, I've been doing this for over 20 years. Sorry, no. Well, that's the thing is, is work, work experience is, is obviously an individual thing, but it's, yeah. it's making that distinction between, you know, whether or not you are providing those services yourself or your company is providing them. But yeah, yes. I so agree. I also win work other ways. I don't just get them through agents, but 
most of my big pieces of work come through agencies because my 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 rate is generally quite high it's not i'm not a cheap you know um i'm not cheap to take on especially over extended periods you know which some some projects take years some three six months but even them the, the bills are quite high for, for clients the problem with going in uh, when an agency approaches you there is work there there is a budget there you already have sign off for the budget for three months for six months and you essentially and you essentially have the work so that's the, that's why i i i don't i wouldn't say i prefer it because I, I really would sometimes prefer agencies weren't involved after the introduction i really want them to be involved <laughs> in the introduction because that's really valuable but after the fact i wish i wish i could just deal with everything else myself you know business to business um but I also win work other ways. So I win work via networking. I win work mm -hmm. via word of mouth occasionally. I've got two clients right now that um, I'm getting little pieces of work and it's slowly ramping up and eventually I will land a big piece of work from them, which is, you know, will it, it doesn't happen all the time because I said most of my big pieces of work come from agents, but the, when it does happen, it's it's brilliant and it feels like I've worked hard for it because I've built that relationship and because I've kept in touch and because I've given them little bits of, uh, of information, you know, information for free or I've attended meetings for free. But most of my clients are at a point now where they, when they engage me, they know that it's going to cost them X per day and they will get the quality would that I provide say, for that. Just, just randomly, because I just had this thought, would you say that when it comes to agencies and having them involved and, you know, because you are right, having that, it, this has been approved to a point. There is budget and scope or they wouldn't be searching for someone. Not always but scope, think, unfortunately, but that's, well, the, that's you, one you, of the problems. You know, you know what I mean. But, but do you think it's possible that you might be using agencies as a substitute sales division? Absolutely. It's one way to, for me to get, to get sales. But unfortunately, <laughs> agencies come as a package. They offer you the work. They put you in touch with the client. They have, they give you the contract because I haven't worked with an agency that wouldn't provide the contract. I've tried yeah. multiple times to say, can I, can I work directly with the client? You know, but it just won't happen. They also take a cut of the day rate on a, on a, mm -hmm. on a regular basis for the entire duration of the engagement, um, which again, I don't have a problem with because I don't really see that. It's usually 20% on top of what I get, you know, what I get paid and there's industry standards, but I make more money when I do direct engagements with businesses because my rates are higher than they are through agencies. Yeah. Um, but I don't, it doesn't really, it's, it's, it probably works out the same because I wait around for work more when I'm not going through an agency because it hasn't got that sign off. So to me, it actually right. is worth it and I don't have a problem. But I said the other ways that I get work, networking, um, word of mouth, and occasionally um, I do do what you do occasionally because I have quite an outgoing personality. I do occasionally overhear somebody and say, oh, um, I do that kind of thing. Um, what, what are you, you know, let's talk about it a little bit further. Sometimes, as you said, sometimes they're like, what are you sticking your nose into my really loud conversation at the bus stop for? Or, or what? But, <laughs> well, you shouldn't have been having such yeah. a loud conversation. <laughs> but sometimes they actually go, oh, have you got a card? Here you go. And then sometimes I get a call from them. It's only happened once or twice, but sometimes it does happen. Mm. But the thing is, I don't leave the house very often. So that kind of situation doesn't always well, occur. <laughs> see, that, that, is, that is, I think, one of the... the the challenging things is, you know, especially if you're a sole individual. I mean, I'm my company is slowly starting to grow, which means that I'm able to pass off and stop shouldering a lot of the burden that is the time-consuming work 
that I have to do in order to run my company or perform projects or do anything else like that. I am hoping to get to a point where I don't have to worry about marketing myself at all. And someone else can handle all of that for me. Despite the fact that that's one of the things that I can help people with. It's it's a cobbler shoe syndrome. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I can help someone market themselves really well. That's not a problem. It doesn't bug me. But for my own self, it's like, can I just get someone else to do it? I would love to be able to palm that off. But if you're an individual, you know, like, have you, Chris, ever considered taking out an advert in a trade mag or or something along those lines? I have. I have. Um, have you sponsored teams or sports teams? I have. My company um, has sponsored sports I've, spon- I've <laughs> So I've had a, a Yellow Pages ad. Back when I first started contracting, oh one of the my first God, things. I would never. Well, not now, but I, I mean, I actually got the, the, the. I got more calls that were irrelevant than calls that were relevant. People, mm. people don't. The problem is, even when I network and I go to business networking and I do my stand-ups for breakfast meetings and talk to people about what I do, none of them care. None of them understand the the level of detail that I go to when I'm writing software. They just think website, mobile app. And they don't think deeper than that. What I do is a lot more complicated than they, I'm not saying they're incapable, but usually they've got their own businesses to run, you know, and they're not, they're just not in that world. So the way that I prefer networking is by speaking to other techies, people that work for big companies, people that might be managers at big companies at network events, at techie network events. That again, unfortunately, doesn't happen to me very often because they're so far away from where I live. I mean, you're fairly lucky if you want to do that kind of thing. Leeds is quite a big hub and you're close to that. I'm 50, 60 miles away from the closest location. See, I, I, take, I, I, sort of, I sort of frown at that because there's been a couple of um, particular industry things that I wanted to go to that I couldn't get to. Um, the, one of them occurred in Manchester. Unfortunately, it was right before the Ariat Grande incident. It happened the night before the conference was to go on. And it was touch and go until, you know, I was in touch with the um, uh, the people who were putting on the show and they just turned around and went, you know, we can't, we have to full cancel absolutely everything. And it's a one day kind of, you know, mm. thing. And I, it, it broke my heart. And then of course, every time there's one that I want to go to, it ain't here in Leeds, <laughs> it is either all the way in Birmingham mm-hmm. or it is in London or it is in Manchester. And the same applies to me. I mean, oh. I, when I was into the games, <laughs> the games, uh, the indie games development, that was similar. Networking got mm-hmm. me loads of attention because people were into the idea and into the game that I was putting together. Um, and, and it got me quite a lot of marketing. People were, you know, following my Twitter and, you know, it was, it was all from networking oh, yeah. and all from kind of engaging with people. And that's the key here. In in my industry, in the contracting world, a lot of contractors don't want the bother. They are not true business owners. They don't want, they don't have the, gregor- the gregarious kind of attitude of going out there and, and engaging with people and being a little bit full of yourself and having the ego to run a business and sell yourself and be confident that you're because you need that a little bit as a business you, owner you, well you definitely you have to have some level of confidence because if you don't i mean we've had shows about imposter syndrome here uh, 
not included. And if, if you're listening and you haven't actually seen that one, when Gordon was talking, I highly, highly recommend mm. it. But in order to run your own company, especially if you want to see it as a business and not just as a, a way to, you know, just quickly get a job through an agency and not have to worry about paying certain taxes or whatever, you know, if you're going to run things as, as a proper company, you have to have a certain level of confidence in what it is you're selling. And that's your skill set. You know, I I I know for me, um, one of the biggest hurdles I had to get over, besides you know the occasional, I I just feel so dumb today. You know, it's it's we all have those moments. But for me, it was being able to have the confidence and say, yeah, I can take care of this. This is no problem. However, there's one area I don't know enough about. Are you okay giving me the time to research that? And it it's this. It's this assumption that I think I had growing up with the different companies and watching how my family dealt with, you know, the electric company or the cable company. Like how you see people engage with other companies growing up can have a big impact. Mm. And I grew up in an environment where I think everyone expected if you were brought in to do something, you were supposed to be the ultimate expert at what you were brought in to do. And the reality is, and Doing our show or a streaming show that we do every Wednesday from one to four on Twitch, you know, development now included. If anything, it has reminded me that in our industry, we have so much diversity. There are so many things that like I have forgotten that I knew. And it's 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 staggering to me because this industry is huge and it's constantly evolving. See. And if you're running a company, by the way, you should be educating and learning. But it just keeps reminding me that it's okay to sit there and go, yeah, I've got all this. But this one thing that you're bringing into the project, I'm going to need time to look into because I have a, a, an idea on it. And I think I know, but I need to make certain I can be on the ball for that specific part of the project. So. I mean, I've got, uh, we won't talk about imposter syndrome specifically because we've done a, an episode on that, but when it's, it comes yeah. to um, selling myself to my clients and selling a service that I have not done before, selling some technical expertise that I don't have expertise in and telling them that I do, you know, I can, I won't lie to them. I certainly will not say I can definitely do that. I will give them a massive caveat and say, I need time and my estimates to, to do this and to look into this, take into consideration my expertise, my knowledge, my experience, mm. the fact that I, I am going to have to look things up, read a lot of documentation. That is a lot of my job is reading documentation and, and <laughs> a ascertaining. A lot of my job is watching those like little white bars and, you know, scripts running and things like that. Ascertaining <laughs> what, you know, what is actually needed what what piece of information is needed to achieve the result and people use the phrase i'm a problem solver i i hate that phrase personally but it's exactly right that is what we do that is what almost everybody in any job does they pro solve problems whether it's a tiny problem that's very easy to solve or humongous problems like architecting entire enterprise systems or or building a house or you know all of those things you're going to come across you know, there are people who will see building a house as a tiny little problem but you're it's, going to be it's, it's, 
perspective you, matters. You're going, yeah, you're going to be coming across when you're building a house. You're going to be coming across lots of little problems when when you're building that house. If you're engaged in it mm. and you're you're doing all of the work that you've never done before, because things have changed, because the landscape's different that you're building on, because the weather's interfering with things, because Talk there's a river, there's a river just down down the road that's causing issue. You know, all of this kind of stuff. And the same applies mm. in the tech space. All of my clients know. I I. I've worked with many, many clients that I'm not a per I'm not perfect, and sometimes I hope, most of the time, in fact, the fact that I am um, what's the word? <laughs> I know it doesn't. This sounds daft because of who I am and and my ego, but because I am modest when it comes to what I know, that's one of the things that endears them to me and lets them and wants you know makes them want to work yeah. with me. I, I think you know we have to remember that. <sighs> Humans power industry it makes a difference what industry it's in, and we're always going to be subject to it. I mean, for me, the whole concept, if someone brought a project to me and it included something that I was a little bit kind of sketchy on still, like I didn't quite understand it, I'd refuse the work because I, I, I just, it was like, yeah, I, my schedule's full <laughs> for the moment. Check back with me in three months, you know, um, and it's, it's, it was simply because like you said, you know, it's a matter of having the confidence, having the knowledge, and then if you need to, finding the way to research the extra stuff that you have to. Now, in your particular case, you charge people for your um, time, uh, proposals, and writing. I, ch I charge them for my experience, and that's well, no, the key no, my, thing. My, however, you wish to phrase that line item on your invoice, you can. But my point is you charge them for that. In my case, I have packages that people can, you know, go through and get. And yes, they can be uh, a la carte in some cases, or I might work with someone depending upon the type of company there, because I do work with quite a few charities and I do have special charity rates. Um, so, you know, it's it's one of those things where I sort of have a fee schedule, for lack of a better term, um, but it varies on what people need for their stuff. But I don't charge people for proposals. And I'm actually starting to wonder if I should. But the thing is, I work with so many tiny companies that that would shock them. Whereas, you know, in the enterprise world, you pay people for proposals. When you send out an RFP, you expect to be charged for whatever kind of thing gets sent back to you. I have seen it in so many. It depends. It does depend, though. So, I mean, for example, if you're tendering for something in the public mm -hmm. sector, for example, they won't pay for that. Mm -hmm. They won't pay for that. They won't pay. But that I don't. I'm too small. I well, even the private sector. If you're tendering for work, you write. You're writing a proposal, essentially to say, I can deliver what you're asking me to do, and this is how much it will cost, and this is the estimate, and all of that kind of work at that level is extremely high level, and it's extremely, it's guesswork, you know? So I'm happy to do like a day on something, put something very simple together, but they have to understand that if they want to engage me for three, six, 12 months, that's mm. gonna be a significant investment so if you want to engage me as a small business, as a single person that whose time is money, essentially, I can go off and get another contract or speak to somebody else, then you, you're going to pay for that time. But anyway, we're not actually talking about how to win clients. We're talking about how we actually well, engage with clients after the fact. The, the fact, well, I think the takeaway from this... 
that's that's part of it though i mean we we jokingly call this influencing clients which has sort of a slightly negative connotation because people don't like to be manipulated you know no one likes to believe that they've had one leg pulled over their head or what have you but the reality is just because you've got the contract signed you still have things you have to do oh yeah and in getting to that contract sign doesn't mean that there's not money changing hands either because when you're building your proposal to get to the contract thing you're still going to be paid for that so there's something to be said for that <laughs> i think the thing to take away from this yeah. is is that it's it's absolutely it's important that you are clear, no matter what your terms are, whether you charge for proposals or not, whether you charge for charge by the hour, whether you've got a package, whether you've got, however your charging structure works, however you engage with your clients, that is up to you as a business, you set those terms. And if the clients don't agree with them, then they, you don't work with them, simple as that. You can negotiate, of course, you know, there's yeah. always negotiation and that's part that of business. That is the power of running your own company is having the say at the negotiation table. But the key thing to take away is that it's not just your decision. It is, um, it, it's absolutely paramount that you are honest and upfront in every respect with every one of your clients. And if your clients consistently come back to you and say, oh, I don't agree with that, like, for example, if all my clients came back to me and said, I'm not paying you for your proposal, then I would rethink how I do things. But I somehow still kept my invoices paid. And I still, every time, every week when I get my invoices paid by my clients, I am still extremely thankful and amazed that I get to charge them money for things that I've done. It just, it's mad to me. Yeah. It still doesn't quite filter through a lot of the time. But it happens, you know. Um, I, I completely <laughs> and utterly agree on that. And I will And that's the imposter there. syndrome. <laughs> oh, but you don't suffer from that, darling. Uh, but no, I think the important thing to remember is when you are trying to find a client and you are trying to find someone for your business as a client, you need to diversify. Here's, here's your first bingo thing. You need to diversify where you're looking. You need to make certain you're targeting the right market. You need to do a little bit of market research. You need to talk to people. You need to engage them and you need to stay engaged. Yeah. Not staying engaged is a surefire way to um, lose out on good potential future income. Yeah. And, and you know, it's, there's a lot more oh, to it than just what? this, but I think I think we've actually yeah, there's, covered there's the one, key points here. I think we've done fairly one well thing today. I want to stress. <laughs> Don't be afraid to ask for testimonials or ask for some kind of referrals or something that you can use. The only reason why I say this is, yeah, you can throw it up on your website or whatever, but having in writing that someone has enjoyed working with your company and they are okay with you sharing that in your, perhaps your sales meeting when you're getting together with another company and they wanna know what other companies you work for, it works in your favor. I know so many people who are solo employed who keep forgetting to ask you know, for testimonials because they just think I'll just contact the agency and get the next place. Don't. 
much or engagement. Also, uh, there's another caveat we need to I need to say here that when you ooh. do ask for testimonials, because I do ask all of my clients for testimonials, don't always expect them to say yes. And yeah, especially don't always no, don't but... also don't always expect them to say yes to using their logo on your website. And if you're going ooh. to use their logo on your website in any way, shape or form, doesn't matter if it's just these are my clients or I did this work for this client get permission from whoever you need to get permission from because it's very very important that you do that if you, you could you could easily be sued or they could ask you to take oh. it down if you don't oh, do yeah. that oh yeah absolutely so th that, that's we... the problem i have is that all of my case studies and testimonials on my website are the only ones that have been signed off and it's it's a nightmare sometimes but there are things that you can be worked around like you could simply say you know vp of product and give a first name so there are ways you can work with it but you know again just don't be afraid to ask i know too many who are afraid to ask don't so we are at the end of our stream this is where we get to our favorite section called the byo where we bring our own manuals forward and we just take something that we've learned in the past week that is interesting at may have something to do with technology and development, and it may not. And we just share it to sort of help spread knowledge and smiles and everything around the world. So Chris, do you have a BYOM? Yeah, so my, mine is quite simple this week. Um, I've been doing a lot of game dev streaming as those who were on the channel. And some there's some people who are watching that, I can see the names who've been watching me um, program as well. Um, I've been using Visual Studio Code a fair amount um, and I learned some new shortcuts in Visual Studio Code. So my shortcuts are, I know everyone knows these, but I don't use it that much, you see, because I'm more of a Visual Studio guy. So um, mm. Control-P, search for files. So if you want to search for a specific file name within your project structure, oh, control Oh, are you telling me Control-P isn't for print? Nope, not in this instance. Isn't it Shift-P <laughs> anyway? In most, Anyway, it doesn't matter. Um, uh, so Control-P, we've got Control-Q, which searches Visual Studio for any command, uh, Visual Studio code, sorry, that searches for any command within Visual Studio code. So if you Control-P and you just type, you can come up with, I don't know, you could even, you could type paste and it'll tell you how to, how to do that, or it can just take you to a menu option, or it can take you to a settings option, or a keyboard shortcut, or anything. Anything within the actual app is searchable. Um, and the last one is uh, three shortcuts, Control-0, Control plus and control minus. Control zero resets your zoom. Control plus zooms you in. Control minus zooms you out. Not shift and mouse up like in every other application ever. Took me ages to figure that out because I accidentally zoomed out and made everybody in my stream not be able to see what was going on in Visual Studio and I didn't know what was going on there. <laughs> Full track just says, <laughs> okay, P for find files. Yep. Q for Command. Command. Got it. Yep. Command. Command. Yes. Uh, mine has absolutely nothing to do with technology. Did you know that shock absorbers on cars actually have designated places? There's a right one and a left one, and they need to be put on the right place or on the right side that they're the correct side i should say i'm not my dad's into cars so i kind of i kind of knew that i didn't know that until this week a friend of mine unfortunately is suffering horribly from an incident where a garage actually put them on backwards well that's their fault and this is the risk you take when you engage with a business that provides <laughs> services they could do oh. something wrong and it is entirely within your remit to get them to rectify that yeah but i didn't know that was a thing so uh Verify that stuff, people. Mm. <laughs> Just as a thing, as a side of thing. 
But yes, we're now at the end of our show. Thank you to absolutely everybody in Twitch chat who has joined us, whether you are just lurking like the lurkers we see you being, or whether you're engaged in conversation like Volkscrack, and Tultepe, you know, we keep your eyes on you. And Gwens, of course, also had a comment and he was apologizing. And Mike as well, horrible. Mike the Liar. Yes. Mike the Liar also as well. But yes, and thank you to everybody in the future who happens to be listening to this podcast, regardless of what podcast platform you may find us on. Indeed. You can visit our website on www.dnistream.live, which is still broken, but I am currently in the process of fixing during our live dev streams. Um, <laughs> it's nearly there. I'm, I'm nearly happy enough to at least push a new version, but we, we need to do some rebranding. We've got some new logos mm -hmm. and all kinds of stuff to go on. Um, you can use the website to find our podcast discovery platforms. Um, I believe they will. Uh, our podcast will also be in your podcatchers um, as well. And you can use it to contact us for any reason whatsoever. If you want to be a guest on the show, uh, if you've got any subjects that you want us to talk about that we may or may not have experience in, if we don't, I'm sure we can ramble on for an hour or find a guest that uh, that has something relevant to say about something. Um, or if you've got any funny dev stories, or you just want to get in touch, say hello, thank you, or, or whatever. We have mm -hmm. quite a lot of things happening on Twitch as well. We have uh, become an affiliate, but we haven't yet turned it on. Uh, so thanks to everybody who's followed us and been watching us recently. You have been, uh, you have been instrumental in in that. We've also, we're going to give. I'm going to give a shout out to our first VIP Volschrat. We decided to um, issue him a VIP. I don't know what that means. I've got to be honest with you. Um, means he can do something extra. He talks to himself in the chat room, I think, maybe. Um, <laughs> I, I, I genuinely don't know what the VIP is, but we decided oh, to hand wow. one out. It means nothing, he says. It, it means, means nothing. nothing. <laughs> it's, a, it's a thank you. It's a thank you for being involved and, and, and contributing to the code the other day as it well, really and various other bits and bobs. Um, and lastly, do not follow. Do not forget to follow. Do not. Do follow. <laughs> do follow. Do not forget to follow us. Yes, don't forget to follow us. And please, uh, if you like anything that we're doing or we have a topic that seems interesting, please share us around. The only way we're going to reach other people is if, well, we ask you to help. Indeed. Our networks are only so big. And we do hope to see you next week at 7 p.m. UK time, twitch.tv slash DNI stream. Now, normally, here's where I say all that's left to say is goodbye, but one last thing. For those of you who happen to be here live, we request you stick around. For those of you who are listening to us in the future, we hope you are available live to participate in some of the things we're doing at the end of our shows. So, Chris, say bye-bye. Goodbye. Um, uh, are we are we going to are we going to We do... are. That's what I was just trying to influence. So, yes, I, I to stick just, around. I wasn't sure if you were going up. to say it. You were leading into it. Anyway, so we're going to do we're going to raid now. Uh, Oh gosh! What? I was trying to tell not. I was trying to convince people in the future listening to us that they needed to be here to participate in the fun and activities. But in order to learn it, they needed to be here. Ah, oh, never mind. I'm not allowed to have secrets. You could have told me and prompted me before the if show. You you, this is a live. This is a live podcast. Reading, you would have. <laughs> You kind of would have heard the implications. My I'm gosh. in the process of trying to find somebody to to do that to. So that's sorry if well, my that, focus isn't 100 percent on the uh... at the end of the show. See, we're we're <sighs> so organized. We are so prepared. We are so hit. We are know. on it. We are lit. Yes, lit. Lit. <laughs> Bye, <it>. everybody. Goodbye. <laughs> have a good one. Oh. <laughs>